We're going to talk this morning about how... No, we're going to talk, I'm going to, I want to open up a conversation this morning about how we can follow Jesus um, in uncertain times and in an uncertain world. How we can follow Jesus in uncertain times and in an uncertain world. I don't know if you have noticed, but the last few years have had a high degree of change and uncertainty uh, in them. Um, so, uh, COVID, <clears throat> wars in Europe... Uh, a cost of living crisis, and actually, um, <clears throat> for the first time in like in over a generation, a, a change of the monarch in this country, which actually is, is one of those ones that's it's seamless, but it's seismic actually in terms of I think how it'll feel um, and how we and how as a nation we kind of think about ourselves. And we're in one of those windows where it feels like everything is up for grabs. Or as interestingly, one sociologist put it, we've come to the end of a unique period in history where it seemed everything was certain, and we're back to the normal way history works, which is where everything is uncertain. How do we follow Jesus well in uncertain times? This term at BNA, we are um, the series is called "Looking for Home," and we're we're applying lessons um, from the exile of the Jewish people into um, into our uncertain times. So we're applying lessons um, from the exile of the Jewish people into uncertain times. And we're going to start these two weeks um, with the prophet Jeremiah <clears throat> and a letter that he sent to exiles in Babylon. So I'm gonna, we're going to read this in a moment, but it, the, in terms of timing, we're about 590, 600 um, BC, so that's about 600 years before Jesus. Um, the, the nation has, there's, two, there's been two nations, Israel and Judah, and they have been basically, they, if you know anything about um, geopolitics, is that um, Palestine is in a very key place. It's, the, it's how you get from Syria to North Africa. And so the Egyptians, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians have been fighting over this period, over this plot of land for years. Um, and, and, and the exile of the Jewish people begins when basically they lose their freedom to rule themselves. And the, the letter that we're going to read comes in the early part of the exile. So there's a guy called Zedekiah, who is a, a Jew and is on the throne, but he's been put there by Nebuchadnezzar. He's a vassal king, so he, doesn't, he has to do what he's told. And we've got Jeremiah the prophet in Jerusalem, and he's write a letter to the people. So what the Babylonians used to do was lift up the elite from a nation. So it's like basically going into London and taking all of the civil service and all the city bankers and take them to Babylon and basically change their culture. So that if they ever went back, they would be Babylonians and not Jews. The Babylonian master plan is for assimilation. And if you look at a list of all the nations they've conquered, only one of them kind of still remains as a distinct identity. And the, the exiles are sat in Babylon. They're sat on the banks of the Kibar River, and they've got a choice to make. Everything's gone wrong. And their choice is basically, do we embrace the Babylonian culture and settle? Or do we reject the Babylonian culture, and be distinct and separate, both of which have a high degree of cost for them. And this letter that we're going to read comes from Jeremiah, and it's revolutionary, uh, because he basically says, this is going to take some time, about 70 years before any of you come back. And then he tells them to do this really interesting thing, which we're really going to look at in depth next week. He tells them to settle and be distinct. It's not either or, but both and. He tells them to make their home in Babylon, but not to make Babylon their home. And that's what we're going to think about today, what it means to um, not make here our home, our culture, but to make our home here in our culture. Um, let's read um, this letter, and then we'll get into um, what we're going to think about and talk about today. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem 
to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Oh, I've got the screen. James, you want to take the screen from me now? You can have it now. Sorry. It's like, why isn't the screen changing? This was after King Jehoiachin and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the craftsmen had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisha, son of Shaphan, and to Gemira, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar. So it's going in a diplomatic bag, this letter, in Babylon. It said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. If you were here over the summer, you'll know the song. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Thank you, James. Um, if you, see if you can find the pictures now. Um, the, the conversation we're going to have this morning is quite simple. Is, that, is, is The first thing is that in the culture that we find ourselves, this is not our home. Jesus is our home. And secondly, because Jesus is our home, we can make our home in this culture and in this place. This, this culture is not our home. Jesus is our home. But because Jesus is our home, we can make our home in this culture. First point, Jesus is our home. Um, in times of uncertainty and change, for the Christian, Jesus is a sure and secure foundation. Jesus is who defines us. Jesus is whose we are. Not Babylon, not Jerusalem, not the United Kingdom, not whatever sport team you follow, not whatever job you do. Jesus. This is about identity. Um, Jeremiah writes them to talk about their identity. It's not about the place you find yourself in, but it's about who you are in that place. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that we can be found in him. When we say yes to him and the work on the cross, we receive a new identity rooted in God's love and saving grace. And it's an identity that does not depend upon the whims and the values of our culture, and how they change. It is secure, and it is eternal. It is unchanging. Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, and forever the same. Babylon, culture, wants to form you and wants to shape you. It wants to create an, an identity in you based on its values and its priorities. And I don't know, I've not lived I've lived long enough, but I've not lived as long as the Queen. But all I know is that in, the last, in my adult life, values and priorities of culture have shifted completely. And I'm supposed to shift and change with them. So let's not pretend that we can set a set of values when we're 24 and we're going to live them for the rest of our lives. Because culture won't let us do that. And culture's 
pass. That's the thing that we're hearing again and again this week. The, the United Kingdom that Queen came to the throne in 1952 is a very unite, different United Kingdom in terms of all sorts of ways from 2022. Cultures shift and change. And for the people of God, we find our identity, we find our home, not in our culture, not in our nation, but in our God and in our Savior. That requires intent and it requires focus. Um, in 1930s Germany, the, the, there was a, the, the, the Lutheran German church made a, a grave error and kind of slightly and threw its lot in with National Socialism. And out of it emerged a church called the Confessing Church. Uh, Lutheran pastors who identified pretty much from day one that what was happening was evil. And they got out. Um, they got out of the Lutheran Church. Um, the most famous of those is a, a chap called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was, who was hung by the Nazis, I think, on either the, the second or the last day of the war. And because, but he set, up a, um, he set up a school for pastors, a rural school for pastors, uh, where they trained them in, um, in what it meant to follow Jesus in a culture that doesn't want to follow Jesus, in a culture that wants to be evil. And it was hard work, this school. And somebody came to visit Bonhoeffer and said, why, why are you working so hard on this? Why are you working so hard on this? And Bonhoeffer said, let me take you on a journey. And they walked out and they went to a lake. They got in a boat and they rowed across the lake and then they climbed a hill the other side of the lake. And then they looked down and below them was this airfield. And there were, there were all these gray jackboot Nazis marching up and down and planes coming and going. And there was just, there was the might of the Third Reich in operation. And Dietrich pointed down, and then he pointed back to where they'd come from. And he said, we are working so hard because this, what we are doing, has to be stronger than this. This must be stronger than this. A load of those people ended up paying for what they were doing with their lives. But they understood that Jesus was who they were, not Germans, uh, not even the Lutheran German church, but Jesus was their home and their identity. And they made choices in a culture that was set against the gospel that would cost them. We're not there yet, but actually, are we willing to have the intent that Bonhoeffer and his friends had to pursue our identity in Jesus in a culture that doesn't want us to do that? Is Jesus, friends, is Jesus your home is Jesus your identity? What rhythms and practices, what intent have you got in your life to make sure that you live that out? There'll be opportunities to talk about that later. But firstly, when we find ourselves in any culture, that culture is not our home. Jesus is our home. It's about identity. But secondly, wherever we are, we can be at home because we are with Jesus. With Jesus, wherever we are, we can be at home. So the, the amazing thing of the Christian faith is that it is God with us. This is name, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus promised that um, when he sent the Spirit that he would be with us always. He said to his disciples, where two or three of you gather, there I am with you. He is here now. And so wherever Jesus is, we can be home. So wherever we are, he is. So wherever we are, we can be home. And this is what the Jews in Babylon discovered, is that actually for them to follow God um, didn't require the, the temple in Jerusalem. They, they were like, oh my word, we're away from the temple, the place where we think God dwells. 
And they were invited into discovering that actually God is the God of the whole earth. And that they could follow God away from Jerusalem. And for us as Christians, we live the other side of Pentecost. The Spirit has been poured out into our hearts and into our community, which means that we know that he is with us no matter what is going in our lives and no matter where we are. Um, we, I quote this. I say we, but I, I quote this, I think, every couple of weeks. George Muller, my chief task of every day is to find my soul happy in the Lord. George Muller of this parish set every day, the first thing he would do is embrace the presence of God with him. Know that he was with God, and then after that would step into his day. Um, General Booth's daughter had the same thing as well. Wherever the last thing that she did before she stepped out of the door to go and work with people in East London was, was, to, was, to, was to welcome the presence of God. And basically say, God, you are with me. Let's go. I don't know about you, but in my life, there's been ups and there's been downs. There's been easy times. There's been lots of hard times. When I am so aware, when I'm pursuing the presence of God in prayer and in worship and with others, whatever times I'm going through are so much more bearable, so much, not easy is not the word, but I kind of have a sense of I thrive in them. When I'm not pursuing the presence of God and when I'm not seeking to be with him, those times are so much harder. Do you pursue God's presence? Do you pursue um, God as an individual as you pray, as you worship, as you read the Bible? But also, do you pursue him with others where two or three are gathered? Do you let his presence mean that you know that you can be home wherever you are and whenever you are? The people who respond best in the history of the church, to times of crisis, to times of change, are the people who know that. They know that Jesus is their identity. Jesus is who they are. And know that Jesus is with him. And then they say, Jesus, what are you up to now? And how can I join in? The exile presented the Jews with um, a choice. In the same way that this season that we're going through presents us with a choice. Firstly, you could focus on the uncertainty. Jerusalem has fallen. What has gone wrong we're here in Babylon, thousands of miles away from home, and we could feel sorry for ourselves. The last two years have been tough. I haven't seen people for ages. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get through the winter. We, we could do that. Or, and what Jeremiah is encouraging them to do, we could focus on living our best lives where we find ourselves now with God. Not denying that it's been tough and not denying that we've got a whole load of questions, but actually saying, in the light of that, we're going to live our best lives with God where we find ourselves. There's a bunch of Jews in exile in Babylon, and they think that they have lost absolutely everything that they thought was important. Absolutely everything. And some of them chose option one. Stay glum. And this has all gone wrong. But some of them, and, and the, the, by, the back end of the Old Testament is full of their writings, actually accepted God's invitation and Jeremiah's invitation to find out what God was up to. And in doing so, they discovered what was really important, God and his purposes. We face the same choice. We face it every day, but we really face it now in times of kind of like change. God is at work. His story over the coming years will be written by those who have chosen to find their home in him and have chosen to say, and now I make my home with him here and join in with what he is doing. 
We're going to look in depth at the letter next week. But actually, the first point is the people who read the letter well are the people who know that Jesus is who I am. He is with me. What's he up to? And how can I join in? Amen.